I, I did shoulds for an awfully long time. Well, you should want this in your career path and you should go after that because it's the nat next natural step and you should. And then you get accolades for it. Look at you. Yay, a promotion or an opportunity or all these other things. And you go, oh, I guess this is good. Yeah. And you go home. I wonder why this doesn't feel good because there's a whole lot of should and not a lot of my own why. Hey, I'm Harrison. When was the last time you had a deep, meaningful conversation with somebody? If it's been a while... Don't worry, you're in the right place. This podcast is designed to open your mind to new perspectives and topics in the realms of health, personal growth, and, well, life. Welcome to the Let's Talk About Life podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Let's Talk About Life podcast. My name is Harrison King. Thank you so much for tuning in today. You are in for a treat. If you are new here, welcome. And if you are a veteran, also welcome back. And I really appreciate you being here and listening to these conversations I'm sharing with you, and I hope you're getting a lot out of it. Now, this conversation is really special to me. He's a great friend of mine and coach, actually. We do, we work together, so uh, she knows me very well. Um, Jen Minor Johansson, she has uh, her own private practice called JMJ Coaching, and she didn't get there just, uh, you know, right away. She did count, she was a counselor for a while. She was also in the business world, she says in the boardroom, and now she's taking all of that, all of her experiences, and is helping others work on themselves, uh, personal growth, things like that, but also have deep, meaningful conversations. That is something that she really values, and that's why I wanted to have her on the show, to, to have one of those deep, meaningful conversations and share it with you guys. So enough for me. Let's hop right into this conversation with Jen Manor Johansson. Jen, thanks so much for joining me here today. I'm excited about this chat. We were just saying um, this is... I like talking to you because you always say, you say, let's get together and play. And that's something I've never heard really before. And I think it's really important. So let's, uh, let's play, Jen. Let's have a chat. Can you introduce yourself to the, to the world? Tell your story Absolutely. a little bit. Oh, my story. Okay. As long as we can play. I think, you know, we're big kids, but we're not little kids often enough. And maybe that's why I like the word play. And it, it lightens it a little bit, doesn't it? My story. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm an Alberta girl. Did you know that? I did. Yeah. Okay, I'm a Southern Alberta girl. Uh, if you were to go Calgary, Lethbridge South, you'd have to cross our border. So it's very much an immigration customs family, but not me. I left, but it's a great place to visit. So kind of the mountains nearby and so forth and absolutely love it. Then found my way up to Lethbridge, Calgary. And that was long enough ago that there was no work. What a weird thing to say about Alberta. But at the time there wasn't. And so I came out to Saskatchewan and fell in love with the people, the city and so forth. And I threatened to move back for the first 10, 20 years. And then I stopped and realized it was a great place to visit and this was a great place to live. Um, I, my counseling roots are from back then in Alberta when I was in college. And I left it because not unlike uh, the no work, I came out here and there was no work. You fast forward to now, my goodness, counselors are as busy as ever, thank goodness. So I went into the business world, the boardroom, and spent several years in there doing some sales and management and human resources stuff for a couple of decades, and then found my way back to self, I like to say. I think that's when the story started. People start their story at different places, don't they? But I think my story really started in the last 10 years. And now I have my private practice, and I'm, I'm loving it, and I have couple of amazing kids and Saskatoon is absolutely home and here we are playing. Yeah. I want to actually, 
I want to, we're going to talk about kind of vulnerability specifically. I really want to hear what you have to say about that. But before you, we get there, you just said something really interesting. You said everybody starts their story in different places or at different times. Can you talk about that a little more? That is really, really interesting to me. And I like the way you put that. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't know if I know why, but I know that it happens. I'm inviting people to tell their story all the time in one-on-one platforms and big business groups and so forth. And it's really interesting to see where people's energy is, is low for a while. They're telling their story very matter of fact, and all of a sudden the story kicks in and they say, well, here is where there was a shift or a change or when I found my way into myself or something like that. And, and, and for me, it was when I was ready to just, and you use the word vulnerability, so I'm going to throw it into my story. I was willing to just show up as me, not chase the stuff I thought I should or wanted to, but actually just step into self. And so it came after kids. The boys are both older than 10. Um, But in the last 10 years, since having my own practice, I feel like that's when the story really shifted. So call it a new chapter, if you will. Everything before it was beautiful, and there's lots of great stories or chapters before it. But I feel like the story really started 10 years ago. And I think a lot of people, it can it can be hard to find that kind of start. Obviously, you say different chapters, you know, every everything is meaningful. But when you really feel like you've aligned with whatever you want to be doing and things are really, you know, getting going, that takes a while, I think, for a lot of people. People are trying to find that. We're always trying to search for that. And it's hard to find. How do you how do you start to start to find it? You know, well, I love the word aligned. I didn't use it. You did. But that fits for me. Mm. And and I would I'll say aligned because there's a comfort and a confidence. And when I'm most uncomfortable is when there's a lack of comfort or a lack of confidence. I'm not always mm. confident. I trust me. But when I am, there's an alignment. I'm more myself. So say, you know, authentic or, or being vulnerable or what have you. But I'm, I'm a huge fan of just that comfort and confidence. I think I'm in my place. But there's also something to be said about being uncomfortable and pushing yourself to grow because that's what this is. You know, I'm trying to share that kind of stuff and helping people grow themselves and learn new things. And you can't do that if you're always comfortable. So how do you find the, the in-between? You know, I, I it's funny you ask that because it's just recently in a resilience building practice series that I created. That's a mouthful. I had to slow down that we're talking about what is the comfort zone? Who created that? You know, that's just something that was birthed in the eighties. That's not a real, real old thing. Eighties might sound really to some people. Yeah. And it it was coined as a, I mean, it is, there's some real, uh, you know, psychological evidence around what is happening to us when we're right at the edge of that comfort zone. And I agree with what you're saying that it isn't until we push past it a little bit, that there's some sort of shift that our baseline changes. You think about trauma, post-traumatic stress is now being coined or, or delivered or, or addressed in terms of therapy as post-traumatic growth, because often people come up higher than their baseline. I mean, unfortunate that we have to experience, say, something like trauma in our stories to, to come out stronger. And I don't think that that's always the case that we have to. People like yourself who have this addiction and appetite for learning just will. But that that place of discomfort, you're right, it actually pushes us into somewhere good, less comfortable, but then becomes comfortable. The other thing that I think is really unusual about the comfort zone is who decided where it was. So I'm also trying to relocate mine, like maybe move it to the next town or something, because we don't always want to lean into something that doesn't sound attractive. Growth sounds attractive. Outside of my comfort zone doesn't. 
So I also think it's about the language we choose to use. So when you say, I want to make you a little uncomfortable or uncomfortable is a good thing. I actually don't feel comfortable when you say that. (laughs) You're right. But I've had to use different language with myself and with some of the people I talk to. So they were more likely to have a desire to do just that. Yeah, that's something we've talked about before, just language. I mean, people interpret things differently, right? So so even the fact that I said that, I've never really thought about, you know, how that, I just think of it as like an idea being uncomfortable, like outside of, of that, but I never thought about how it, you know, how does it make me feel? Right? It's more so just kind of pushing what you know, you know, what is what is comfortable, just a little bit to, to expand it or, or, you know, but I, I think the challenge is finding the balance between being comfortable or whatever you want to call it, you know, aligned, whatever, and trying something, pushing yourself a little bit outside or, or going outside enough, you know, instead of just staying in the comfort zone. Yeah, because don't we talk a lot um, lately, especially in this last several years about honoring yourself and cutting yourself some slack, give yourself some grace, find some ease. And while I subscribe to that and teach it and talk it, I think it's a slippery slope that it could be absent of the things that do make us a little, okay, if we have to use the word, uncomfortable. So it's balance, isn't it? But it's not a balance that you or I are going to say, here's the balance and we'll teach it. It's your balance is my balance and it isn't the same for everyone. But I think it's inviting both. When do I need a little bit of exposure therapy, put myself in front of something I wouldn't normally do? And when do I need to honor myself and say, oh, you get to back up from this one a little bit and that's all right. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting you say that because I've noticed that specifically on social media and people will share stuff. It was interesting this last year because of everything that happened and some people were like, if you're not doing anything right now, like you're, it shows that you just don't have any drive or whatever. And there's other people who are like, you need to just give yourself the space. But I also feel like just overall, there's a lot of, which is good, you know, be comfortable don't push yourself too hard, like be gentle with yourself. But it's that sometimes I think it, it can go too much the other way. And then it's like, well, you're, you're almost like, um, what is it like sedentary? Is that the word? You're like, you're like, just, you're not doing anything. Yeah. And then it's, and then we might be complacent, right? I have to I'm careful about that whole mind trickery thing, because sometimes I will, oh, Jen, you know, and there's some lead off the hook that's happening here. Hold on for a second. In what place am I actually honoring myself is sometimes what I have to ask myself, which isn't shameful. It doesn't, I don't think it sounds shameful, but it's, is this time for ease or is this time for opportunity? And and maybe they're the same, but I have to be careful that I know which, you know, which kind of push or, or, or gentle ease back needs to happen right now, or, or maybe I'm not honoring myself. Yeah. And to kind of bring this around to what I wanted to get into here, um, I think being vulnerable with other people and stuff can can help with all of this, obviously. Um, but the one of the questions I want to start off with was, why have you found through your practice and, and you've talked to you know so many people, people are scared, right? It's, it's a big thing is a fear of being vulnerable with other people opening up and things. Why is there a constant thing you find that there's a reasons why and and... How can we start to overcome that? Those are incredible questions. And I don't know if I have all the answers, but I'm going to tell you the ones that I've played with. Think about the definition of vulnerability. Normally, someone wouldn't know this. I only know it because I've had this conversation recently with a group. And one of the definitions you would find um, if you went out of your way to research vulnerability is 
placing yourself in a position to be susceptible to harm. <laughs> Do you want you some of that? I don't want me some of that. <laughs> of and, and vulnerable was also a word in business. Your business will be vulnerable if, and then everything that followed if was all the things you need to make sure you don't do. You're going to fail. Yeah. And so there, there's a few words like this, I believe, Harrison, that meant something years ago. And now we want to call it something else. And I'm not saying we're wrong to call it something else, but vulnerability magicians like Brene Brown want to talk about vulnerability as something that you want some of this and here's why. And I subscribe to that and I believe it and I practice it. But when you think to our past conditioning around what it would feel like or what it means, why would you do that? You're putting yourself at risk. Why would I want to put myself at risk? Okay, so now we have to use language, right? If we're going to get more comfortable with vulnerability, well, it means that it would be scarier to watch myself not being me than to actually show up as me and say, some of that stung, some of that wasn't comfortable, but I was just me. That's lighter. That felt better. I want some of that. So it's my jam because it, it is more authentic. And I think I'm unconventional in a lot of ways, but vulnerability is, it's very much attractive to me because I've seen it in action and it is incredible, brave and bold. It is not weak and susceptible to harm. With the caveat, does it ever hurt? Absolutely. But it isn't like touching the burner. Why'd you do that three times? It hurt the first time you keep doing it. It's different because for the most part, I've seen it, I believe it, and I've lived it, that it's good for us. But occasionally it's going to sting. Yeah. It was interesting because even on a like biological level, I mean, our brains are designed to keep us alive and to steer away from scary things, things that are uh, you know, that we're afraid of that are going to cause us harm, which is literally what you said the definition of vulnerability, right? Like putting yourself in harm's way. So, so we don't want to do it, <laughs> you know, even at a, at that, at that level. So it's hard to try to consciously do it. But I like the way that you said, it's just showing up as yourself. You're just being authentic. And, and you've already touched on it a couple of times now, the use of language, which I know is a big thing just in general that people, it can make such a difference just changing how you phrase things. Yeah. But I think we also reserve the right to decide when. I, I don't think that if we're practicing vulnerability, that means at all times thou shalt, or you don't get to wear the badge. <laughs> <laughs> I get to decide when. I mean, do the circumstances lend to vulnerability right now? Does the crowd in the room lend itself to? Now, I'm not suggesting it needs to be earned, but I am suggesting that I might check in with myself and say, what if I do? What if I don't? If you've never heard, those are my two favorite questions in the whole world. And if I check in with myself with those two questions, I'm usually right. Yep, it's going to be the right path if you do. Or no, this isn't This isn't the time. Roll up the window. Don't do this thing. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and and there's a, I think there's a difference, and I want to hear you kind of speak to this, about being vulnerable with yourself and then with somebody else. Because I think when we initially think of it I don't know, at least me, when you say being vulnerable, it's like really opening up to someone and being authentic with that person. But how about with ourselves? That can be harder for me. That can be harder, but I think it's owed in that order. So owed to self first, other second. I don't even think we're capable of it with others, but I'd like to jump to just doing it with others. <laughs> because with myself, Let's liken it to going up in a helicopter. You don't have to have ever been up in one. But if you are, there's windows everywhere. You can see everything, right? 
And if I'm going to get hyper aware of what's going on for me and be vulnerable, I have to be prepared to look out at all of them. And I'm not always going to like what I see. So if I look over there, oh, that scares me. I'm, I'm feeling needy or I'm feeling weak or I'm doubting myself. I may not want to look over there because what am I going to do with that? So if I have to get real with me first, sometimes that's harder. I don't think that's the case for everyone, but it is the case for a lot of people. And I know it. Whereas showing up as my authentic self with others, if it's been well received for the most part, that's more comfortable. But I don't know that we can until we've uh, had a little taste of it with ourselves first. Because what can enter? Well, things we don't want to look at, like shame or discomfort, right? Yeah. Um, and I want to touch on like kind of common misconceptions about this, but you already kind of covered it. I mean, I mean, the big thing I've already taken away from this is that it's the way we think about it. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Don't you, do you ever call it storytelling? It's a story we tell ourselves. And is that story often true? I could sit and tell you my stories I've had to retell because they haven't done me any favors and they were not accurate. So I'll tell you one to give you an example. If I'm delivering a presentation to 40 people, I'm really comfortable. That's a setting I really enjoy. If I'm delivering to 400 people, now I'm nervous. Same delivery, same program, but I'm going up the elevator in the conference center. And there's going to be 400 people when this door opens. So I'm nervous. Well, you know what a nervous me looks like, right? You can imagine it. But that's the story I've told myself. So guess what? You're right. Now you're nervous. And now your disposition, your energy, your delivery, your ability to even be present, all of that is going to shift because of the story you've told yourself. I had to retell that story because the same presentation kept playing out and it wasn't one that was helping me or those on the other end. How do you start to change that story though? I, I like doing two things and I do this with myself all the time and I encourage my clients to do it as well. Um, one of them is I call it flip it on its head. I don't know if I coined that or someone else did, but it's what I call it. Flip it on its head. Okay. If you weren't nervous and you felt something that would feel better, what would that be? It might take us take a second, but we all know the answer to that question. Well, I'd be comfortable. I'd realize that what I'm bringing to this is what I'm bringing to this. And it might be, might not be all that, <laughs> but I know what I'm bringing. And it's, it's good. It's some good stuff. And, and I have done this before. And there are going to be people nodding their heads and laughing and asking questions and engaging. That, that's how this is going to play out. And you got this thing. So I asked myself, if this wasn't uh, nerve-wracking, but instead it was something that would feel better, what would that be? I use it with overwhelm. That's my hit-the-ditch place of not being well, is overwhelm. Well, if you weren't overwhelmed, Jen, and you were something better, what would that be? And I, I know exactly what that is. I've been there more than I've been overwhelmed. So if I retell my story, I don't just feel better. People think, oh, that's a real good feel good. No, it's more than a feel good. I'm actually now aligned with that path. So I'm going to show up inside of that. And my actions and decisions, disposition and energy are all there. Isn't that a better place to be? So I have to flip it on its head. The other thing I'll do, I said I had two and I almost forgot that I said I had two. The other one is, um, what else are you, Jen? You're, so if I'm nervous, that's still my truth, isn't it? But if I say, what else are you? You know what? You're, you're good people and you're bringing some really good information. And what's your favorite thing? Meaningful conversation. Okay, go do this. Because now what we think about plays out. And I'm thinking about those three things instead of the nerve doubtness. Is that a word? Instead of the nerve doubtness, I'm thinking about 
the comfort, the message, and my passion for meaningful conversation. And you, can't you just imagine now the speaker that shows up in the room when that elevator opens? You're changing your um, your focus, right? You're my not focus, focused. my story. I'm reminding myself who I am. All the things about how I felt, the nerved out, is true. But so's the other stuff. But which one do I want to play with? Not the first one. <laughs> it's not helping me. Yeah. And you said that what can make you, you know, what would make you feel better in this situation or, or what would be the opposite of it almost, you know, and, and you're taking, what I'm hearing is you're taking whatever that is that would make you feel better and just applying it into the situation as best as possible. Yeah. And it's true. So I'm not making this up. I'm not saying, oh, I know how Harrison would feel and I want me some of that. No, it's true. I felt those ways. And so I just have to remind myself, you know what? You aren't just nervous. You're also these other things. And where our attention goes, that's how our energy shows up. So my energy can show up in the nerve doubt if I want to keep feeding that. It's like a weed or a plant. Which one are you going to pick? Well, I don't want to pick the weed. That's the nerve doubt. I want to pick the plant. So that's what I'm going to think about. And then that's how I'm going to show up. And it's going to look different on your end in conversation with me. Yeah, it's all self-talk, right? And we are so, our brains are so just wired to listen to what we're saying to ourselves. And I don't think we realize that enough. That what we're telling ourselves is, like you say, our story. And I really like that. It resonates with me and may not with other people as much. But saying your story, it's our lives are kind of a story we're telling ourselves largely because of that self-talk. Absolutely. That's yeah. why our circumstances can be the same. Three of us can be in the room when the same thing happens. There's going to be three different responses. Three different, like, like people are going to experience it differently, right? There's going to be three different, completely different experiences. Yes. But I think a lot of it is, as you suggested, the mindset or the story. And while our first reaction is true, I'm going to go back to something you said earlier. We were conditioned for that fight flight to access that part of brain, our brain that runs from tigers, which is you and I both know. And I think I even heard you say this once. The tigers aren't chasing us and they're not. But that part of our brain that has the messaging that doesn't do us any favors comes uninvited. Thank you so much. (laughs) But the stuff we need to hear, we have to invite. That's why I call it the good work. I used to call it the hard work, but we don't lean into that any more than we would lean into vulnerability if the definition was susceptible to harm. So we have to invite those thoughts. They're true ones. We believe them. They're ours. But the stuff that doesn't do us any favors, that doubt, that bad story, imposter syndrome, call it what you will, comes uninvited <laughs> like the roommate you wish you never lived with and you have to take action to 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 change that it's the hard part right like how, knowing that you have to this isn't going to go away on its own and i can fix it and i know i can fix it but i don't want to right and and we kind of i mean we kind of mentioned talked about this last time we chatted about knowing something which you've been kind of diving into knowing something how to fix something what to do and then not doing it. Yeah, we can get comfort. We can find comfort in just staying in that place. So um, not to suggest anyone chooses depression. I've been there. Most of us have been there, at least a small boat of it. I'm not suggesting we chose it, but sometimes we stay there longer. The black cloud moves with us instead of stepping out from under it because it's it, it can actually be easier as painful, and I know that sounds so wrong, but as painful as it is, sometimes it's easier to just be in whatever is presenting. Yeah, I really feel that. That was me, Um, well, actually yesterday, I had something going on and, and 
doesn't happen too often, but sometimes you just feel down and I, like we've said, I know what'll make me feel better. You know, I know what to do. I could list it all out and give you steps and I didn't do any of it. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's, it means we just have to take the smaller ones when it feels harder. Cause I said, I changed it, the language to the good work because I really believe it is the good work. And we take ourselves from the, the figurative ditch back up to the highway, but it is also hard work. And so I don't want to hide behind that and pretend it's something it isn't it, but it, it's also good work. So I try and put that foot forward before the, the language around hard work. Cause you, you change language a lot, you know, and, and I've noticed <laughs> this before. No, but this is, this is really interesting to me because, because we're talking about self-talk and, and I know a lot about even the way you say things talking about, you know, visualization and, and goal setting and stuff like that, instead of saying, I want this or whatever, like, like talking, like it's already happening. You're essentially setting up your future. Like you're living, <laughs> living in the future, not really, but you're, if you're talking like that, it'll, it'll come to be. So what I want you to kind of dive into is just what are some common, more common things that easy switches, we could just substitute this word for this word that'll make, you know, a huge difference. Are there any that come to mind? Absolutely. Mindfulness is one of them, but I'm going to press pause before I go there because I think it's really, really important that we don't dishonor what's actually happening. So when you talk about something that makes us uncomfortable, so it's fear, it's pain, it's tragedy, it's ruminating. So all of these things that don't feel pleasant, the, the nerve doubt, the overwhelm, that's real. Don't take that away from me because then you're dismissive, meaning I doubt you'd do it to me, but maybe I'm talking to myself right now. If, if the reality is that I'm suffering, I have to acknowledge that because repression, denial, all of these other things also don't do us any favors. And I might not get to pick how long I need to be there. But I also know that the things that do us the least amount of favors are when our head is traveling to the past or the future in unhealthy ways. So let's be real, there's healthy ways. The, the past, a memory. Oh, what a good memory. The future, goal setting. What a rich time and reason to be in the future. But all the stuff that doesn't feel good that comes uninvited, our head is jumping from past to future and it isn't serving us well. So mindfulness allows us to be more present inside of what's happening. So what an opportunity to honor however I truly am feeling. You are overwhelmed and you know what? That's real and I get it. And I accept that it's par for the course. So what am I going to do with it? But you see how I allowed it to show its ugly head accept it, not meaning I like it. I have a different um, definition for acceptance, by the way, how convenient once again, but it works, for, it, works, it works for me and it works for other people. You're like a walking dictionary, Jen. <laughs> I'm making a new one. Is that okay? <laughs> a lot of people are using it though, and it's working for us. So accept it in that I acknowledge it. Okay. I don't have to like it all. Cause I'm in the helicopter looking at my stuff and there's lots of great things and some things that aren't now, what do I want to do with it? Well, I don't want to stay in overwhelm. So what am I going to do with that? I'm back on the highway. So see how I'll still acknowledge it. I, and I'm not manufacturing how I want to feel. You can't make this stuff up. I can't look over at you one day watching you online and go, man, I want me some of that while that's okay. Most of the things that serve me really well, I've already experienced them. In fact, I experience them often. So can I tap into that? And mindfulness allows me to do that. And as does some acceptance of what's really going down. And now I can plan how I want it to play out because I know I have it in me. But it's mine. And I think that's important. It isn't somebody else's. Yeah. 
you say you have a different your definition of acceptance. I'm curious now. I'm curious what <laughs> what you're gonna say. You're gonna laugh when you see this, but I I love it so much. I have it on a sticker. So several years <laughs> several years ago, I created a model because I knew that as the amazing humans that we are, we could move through stuff better in a way that allowed us to really understand what was going on, accept it. And I will tell you what I mean by that and then do something with it. Okay. So awareness is the helicopter. And if you want to get into that more, we can, but here's the cool thing about acceptance. I don't think acceptance means we have to like it. To me, acceptance doesn't mean okayness. It means an acknowledgement of current state because we like to pretend something isn't what it is. How could this be? How could this be? It is though. Okay. It is. It isn't, it shouldn't have played out this way. Sure. But that's ruminating. Or what if, what if, what if now that's catastrophic thinking. Where's your head in the future? Come back to right now. Even just for a moment. Here is what it is. Some of it I like, some of it is not so great. And I believe acceptance is acknowledgement of what is. And isn't it funny that that's so hard to do? Because it can only be what it is. Now, if this is getting too foofy, wrote me back in. But acceptance is just an acknowledgement of what is. Because that's all it can be. But we fight that with everything in us. So you look at the current state of a relationship. Here's this couple in front of me. Things are not going great. Do you want to know who we were 10 years ago? We were brilliant. <laughs> we were doing such great things. We were having so much fun. We're not now. Okay, well, we have to look at who we are now because we aren't who you were 10 years ago. And if we can just for a moment look out the helicopter and get real about what we're seeing, then we can do something with it. And that's the next stage, which is readiness. So what and now what with what I now saw and acknowledge, so that heightened awareness, right? And then acceptance, the acknowledgement of right now, the current state, which I believe takes some mindfulness. Now, what am I going to do with it? This is where as an optimist or as a possibility thinker, which I am, we can do some cool things with it. There's, there's such opportunity. So I'm trying to change the past or the future. You can't do that. And this is something I've thought about. Obviously, we can't do it. But I, I've, I've thought about this actually a lot. And I realized that I do it. I think everybody does. It's very common. And mindfulness is like all the rage kind of in, you know, it's coming up right in social media and, and everywhere. Everybody's talking about it. But we don't just live in the moment. Everybody says live in the moment. But it's so I, I don't I couldn't tell you how many times, you know, a day I'll catch myself not doing that. I almost feel like it's not even our you know, like kind of factory, like our, our default state because we're thinking about what happened, which is a whole different thing. You can't fix it. Right. But, but then thinking about what am I going to do? Like throughout the day, even I'm going to get this task done. Right. And then you get, you get that task done and then you don't even, you're already onto the next thing. You're like, I just did that. Like you didn't even acknowledge that you did this. What are you working on? We're really good doers and, and on autopilot, we don't even need to think about it. It comes naturally. Which means, as you've suggested, and I couldn't agree more, that being present or being mindful does not come naturally. But it's a practice. And I love the word practice because I think a lot of things that are really good for us are practices. You don't touch the soccer ball for the first time and you're a soccer pro. It requires a great deal of practice. And we seem to understand that with ease. More touch time, better soccer player. But we don't appreciate that well, there's a lot of really great life practices that if we were to adopt them, use them, and, and do something meaningful with them, they become a little more natural. 
but it's still a good work or hard work or hard work. <laughs> it's such yeah. a great way to think about it though. Cause people say practices or whatever, but it's not, you don't kind of remember that it's really, it's a good, you're applying it to sports. Cause it's the first thing you think of when you say practice is like sports, you're going to get better or like, you know, music, whatever, right. I'm practicing piano scales. I'm going to get better at it because I'm doing more of it. But I feel like we're just like, I want to be better at this. So it should just happen in our lives. You know, if we're talking about mindfulness or, or meditation or, or living, whatever we're talking about here, even if it's acceptance, acknowledging things that are happening, it's not going to happen overnight. No. And your music, you've chosen to invest in that. And my quick guess is because you want to. We'll invest in a practice because we want to. And I could ask you, what if you do? What if you don't? And I know you'd have language around that because obviously there's a part of you that has to. It's your thing. Well, what if we wanted to practice things that also served us well in terms of how we're feeling, how we're showing up, who we are? Um, because what if we did? Why don't we want to, though? I don't, because, again, I don't think that it's necessarily natural. And we've also received accolades for things that don't serve us well. So we have. So busy. If I ran a mile a minute getting all kinds of things done in a professional career and I received accolades, look what you can accomplish. Look what you can get done. Now go back to the sports puck and net. Wow. Take it to, to sports, take it to, to business. If I was rewarded and recognized for doing that, even if it didn't serve me well, I'm going to keep doing that because, and I know you really enjoy talking about intrinsic rewards versus extrinsic, that extrinsic message, yay you, oh, I'm going to keep doing that. That worked. Someone liked it. It did something for them. Think about um, compassion fatigue. I can keep offering self to others. And people, oh, look at what you do for your clients, those businesses, your counseling students. Wow, that's fantastic. But what if it's at a cost of me being okay? because I'm not taking care of myself. I'm getting that external or extrinsic reward for taking care of other people. But at some point I won't be able to if I'm not doing my thing. So what's my thing to make me well? And don't you see that we have such an appetite to figure that out now finally, and it's becoming hygiene. I don't have to ask you if you showered and brushed your teeth. Like we just do. <laughs> but what's but what's your hygiene to take care of yourself? That's actually becoming something we just do proactively rather than reactively when we're broken. That's so that's so great. And the whole kind of people the reward thing is something I've talked about recently. Um actually I was talking with somebody else, and we were talking about the education system specifically because that's a whole that's a whole different conversation but <laughs> but like rewarding just just in in life you know we get rewarded with things like that and then we think it's those it's those external we'll take social media for example right i mean that's a whole that's a whole different thing and i've talked about it many times on here where you're trying to be authentic to yourself since we're talking about that be authentic to yourself and do what you want but you can't you know there's nobody out there that's going to say you're lying. I think if you do that, I'm doing it just because I want to. No, you know that you're going to get a reward if you do something a certain way. And you're going to be more, you're going to want to do that. I don't know how we overcome that, though. I don't know that it, it's an easy thing to overcome, but I believe that we can. I'm glad you use social media as an example. We've become very praise dependent. So if I get 100 likes on this versus 10, I did it well. 
But we also know that if I hang up from this call and I think, man, that was fun. Did we ever do a good job? Look at us. That was rocking. That is actually way more meaningful than it is to have 10 people say, was that ever fantastic? I think it's okay that both feel good. I don't think we have to hide behind the fact that it is very real, that it feels good when someone else says it. But it is more meaningful when we actually experienced it and can say, you know, I am proud of myself. That did feel good. I was in my space. I was vulnerable. I was whatever. It's more meaningful. Because haven't you seen that dependence on others' praise actually underwhelm you? So a bunch of people, yay, you, and you're thinking, this should feel really good right now. And it's actually kind of flat or underwhelming. So I know that it doesn't mean as much to us as we think it does or that we're seeking. Or we still do it. Of course. Again, that weird conditioning, all the stuff that just is, isn't always working in our favor. But the good news is, as we adopt these practices and understand them, and if we're, we're all able, but are we willing? So if we're all able, and now I'm willing, what might it do for me? And I know it does great things. I see it every day. Yeah, it's that shift between knowing what we already already talked about this, knowing what what you need to do and like actually doing what you need to do, right? Like it's it's actually making that making that 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 jump. Um, the social media thing is something really interesting, and I have talked about it several times on here because it's it's just a whole it's a weird topic because it's the only time in you know history that we've had this. The first thing that comes to mind is um, I started on putting videos on TikTok about the beginning of the year, right? It's just that new. I don't know if you have ever checked it out, but yeah. right, it's, a, it's for of course. It's just all video stuff, and and I did it, and I've had more that external reward than I've ever had on social media before because of the nature of the app. Um, like ridiculous numbers compared to what I've normally been doing. And it makes this weird kind of thing in my head because I've spent years since I was maybe what, 14, you know, almost 10 years really putting in hard work, doing things I enjoy, sharing what I want and never really getting that external views weren't coming, you know, not getting the likes. And, and I never did it for that, but of course you want that. But then I did this and I put something dumb up, you know, I've put, I put this dumb video of me playing uh, Van Halen, the, the jump, like jump um, with Ed Sheeran. It's this dumb thing. And it has like almost a million views and it, it took me, and I'm not saying this to brag to people listening. I'm just, this is a really interesting topic because that took me, well, the video is like maybe seven seconds and it took me that long to do it. And, uh, and I spent literally hours on other stuff and then you share it and, and you don't get that reward. And it makes me go, what do I need to value? People want to see this dumb stuff more. So I'm putting more energy into doing the dumb stuff, but I don't feel, I don't feel like it's serving me. But when I do things that really serve me, I'm not getting that external reward that we're conditioned to think. You know what I mean? You picked one of my favorite words is value. Don't you think it's okay if it's both? So by both, I mean, don't you think it's okay that you were, whatever you were, energized, excited, curious about the million and how well-received you were, but then also another day when you put something out there that maybe doesn't have the same external response, but you think that was so fun. So I love some of the 80s stuff you did, by the way. I just, I absolutely loved it. But what if there was something you really, really loved, but it wasn't received, received the same way? What do I value? I have to check in with that often. I want both and I'm not afraid to say it and I think it's okay. I love... I'm not going to walk into a room and to present to those 400 people 
and have it be a completely flat climate, not be well received and leave going, that was so awesome. I'm not. So can't I have both? Can't I feel comfortable showing up with my stuff, making it about me for me in terms of the delivery, but then seeing how it's received, read the room, give them what they're looking for and enjoy both the intrinsic and the extrinsic. You know, there's this messaging out there too, where we just can't win because it says, you shouldn't care what people think. And then someone stands up and says, I don't care what people think. It's taken me years to come to this place, but here I am. So all of you behind me, you'll get here one day. I don't think that's accurate either. I think it's okay for both. I just think intrinsic and the self stuff, I value it more. But of course I want both because I'm I'm not out there doing the work for me. I'm out there doing this meaningful work for others as well. So this has to be working for them. This has to be their jam too, or I'm not doing my my part. Yeah, and if you focus on, um, it's funny. I've done um, several of these talks the past little while and it's always the same stuff. It's always, we've come back to on, I think three or four of this, these chats about valuing, finding what you value, what's important to you, talked about purpose with one guy, it's all that. And and if you can really dive into what that is, that other stuff, it, it, it's okay. You know, it can be okay. Those likes, it's like a, it's like a kind of the cherry on top, you know, it's like you're getting the external reward for what, what you're doing. But if you lead if you lead with what is important to you, what you value, that other stuff, it, it, it's just, it's, it'll come back, you know, like tenfold. It's going to be that much more, but that's such a hard, that's such a hard thing to accept or I not accept. We just talked about accept, but like just, to, just to, <laughs> to, um, I guess, yeah, acknowledge and say, this is, you know, understand and that's how it works. So often it's about balance, but we don't pick what balance is. It's our own and it's different for you than it is for me. Um, but I think it's both. Um, sometimes we're forced to pick one. Go out there and do your thing just for you. Or go out there and, and be of service to others. It's both. I can't be of service to others if I've not cared for myself first. You'll see it. You can line up a bunch of people that you would call successful in whatever you would call successful. But one will stand out. And you won't know why at first. And I promise you it's it's something like that starts with the word self. They're self-compassionate. They care about themselves as well as others. Or they have self-worth. They care for others, but they're also standing in their own shoes. Some of the self-words that will confuse with selfish, right? I, I think they're both. And they'll stand out. You're not sure why. And then you'll realize... There's, there's care for self as well as others. It's both. There's wanting to feel uh, something of value. So checking in with my own values, but also aligning with say yours. So I remember saying to you a long time ago, I want to play. This is fun. I like hanging out with you. And I, I believe in something Ken Blanchard said, fit form in that order. Fit is, I like hanging out with you. We don't have to figure out what we're going to do yet. We'll figure it out one day. And then form is that we'll write a book. We'll have a conversation in a podcast. He figured that he figured that stuff out later. I really, really like that. And I'm smiling because uh, people make fun of me because I always say, oh, well, um, like we'll figure it out. It's like a term I just I didn't never realize until recently. I just automatically say and and it, it, it makes me think of this because I just kind of automatically think like that, like this is what I want to do something. So as far as goals go, you know, this is what I want or whatever. And I don't, I don't 
I make plans for things, but I couldn't tell you specifically how I'm going to get there. But I'm like, well, we'll figure it out. You know, like I'll, I'll, I'll get there. And it's just interesting to me that you brought that up because you don't realize, I think a lot of people do that actually, like just, you know, but to focus more on that, like why, why do you want to do something? Why do you want to do something? the why is some more important than the how or the, you know, what are you going to do or whatever to, to make that happen? But if you leave with the why. And I think you've done that for a long time. I remember a conversation with you, um, geez, dare I say a year, maybe it's not been that long. Maybe it's just several months, but I could tell you knew your why and you knew what you wanted and it was very about you and for you. And I saw an emotional connection to your work and later you'd figure out what. So I never understood the content. I wonder what he's going to be doing. That wasn't a distraction for me because I, I knew why you wanted to be out there, what it would feel like if you were, and you were connected to that in a way that often isn't even a component of our planning. So strategic plans or goal setting or all of these other things tend to look very what? Here's what I'm going to do. And if I get there, then I've done it. Oh, I've arrived. <laughs> But it's absent of what would it feel like if you did? And you always talk in terms, oh, this would feel like. And then in that sentence, I was like, oh, man, this guy's connected to why he's even doing this, which I think is purpose. You used the word purpose earlier. And I think that's a lot richer than what I'm going to go do. I can sit and list the next five things I'm going to do this afternoon and it would it wouldn't get you too excited. Right. <laughs> and, but to take it a little bit away, you know, from me and to other people, I think that everybody has their why. We all, if you really sit and think about this, talked about it previously with Joey, everybody knows what it is. I think we all know at some point or some way what it is, but we're focused on that. You're saying, so the plan, here's what we're doing or whatever. And like the other, it comes the other way. And then it's like, well, then why are we doing this? You know, and it's, but if you, things are so much easier, so much easier if you, let that go and go why why if you're driven by your why everything else comes yeah and we all are you're right we all are we're all driven by it and the good news is it's a practice <laughs> which means we can figure it out and when we understand it it's going to fuel the goal you marry those two now you're forced to be reckoned with it's more likely to come to fruition it's more likely to be meaningful. It's more likely to be about you and for you. And now what a richer experience rather than just having arrived. Yeah, did that thing I said I was going to do. And then we wonder why we're kind of underwhelmed. Maybe it wasn't even ours. Maybe it wasn't even your own agenda. That's unfortunate, but we do that stuff too, right? This shows up in a big way. You hear it from like, quote unquote, successful entrepreneurs and, and people in the business world financially. This seems to be a, a thing I see a lot when I'm looking up things and listening to people talk, they weren't focused on the money. They weren't doing it. To, okay, that's a lie. I mean, some people are, and that is part of it. I mean, it's part of it. You can't say it's not part of it, but Elon Musk, for example, somebody was talking about the other day. I mean, he's done all these crazy things with like, he he created a rocket, you know, in this short amount of time compared to NASA that is like reusable. Like it comes down... And and, it, and obviously he is ridiculously rich because of that. But he was just like, oh, I mean, I want to do this. Let's make it happen, you know. And you're doing things because you want to. So it shows up, I'm saying, like in the business world and, and financially and all that stuff. I mean, I think those rewards come back to you. It's been proven <laughs> that they come back to you when you do things because you want to do them. Yeah. And can I go back to the balance comment when we were talking about um, 
uh, extrinsic, intrinsic motivators, praise, dependency, and all that. Can't we be conscious capitalists? <laughs> can I want both? Can I can I know my why first, and I'm doing my meaningful work? And what if I'm doing it so well and loving it so much that the reward or the success or the abundance, by nature of the first part, that also happens? I think if it's in the right order for the right reason, we can have both. And I don't think we have to hide behind being successful. And if it's a monetary reward or what have you, we can have both. I just think it can't be absent of the sincere why. Yeah, that's really, I'm glad you I mentioned that because I don't want ever things to come across like you just need to just do this. I mean, it's in, you're where you live in this society, you can't change the fact that like you said, we want those likes on Instagram or we want, you know, money from, obviously that's part of it. You know, that's part of it, but not making that the, the starting point. Sure. I'm not good with either or. Can we have both? <laughs> it isn't one or the other. And, and, and sometimes we'll say what we think we should do or should say. And we're not also, we are also not motivated by our shoulds. I, I did shoulds for an awfully long time. Well, you should want this in your career path and you should go after that because it's the na next natural step and you should. And then you get accolades for it. Look at you. Yay, a promotion or an opportunity or all these other things. And you go, oh, I guess this is good. Yeah. And you go home. I wonder why this doesn't feel good because there's a whole lot of should and not a lot of my own why. And what if it could be more about the why and we still chase great things and do incredible stuff, but it's, it's ours. It's about me and for me. And again, a word that sounds selfish, but if I'm doing stuff that's about me and for me, I promise you when we're in the same room, you're going to like being there more than if I was showing up with some shoulds. Well, I should say this or I should say that. I heard Matthew McConaughey talk recently on a thing. I love him so much. Um, but he, I think it was on Mind Valley actually. And he was saying i'll put a link to it somewhere but i don't know this is not gonna be 100 but basically you need to start by being selfish and he goes you hear the word selfish and you think of bad things right automatically you think i'm being selfish i'm not listening to what you want you know jen wants something no i'm gonna do it because do this i can't help you because i need to do it myself but if you start by being selfish you can call it what you want but focusing on yourself but he said being selfish you need to do that because you can't show up for other people. You can't achieve those goals. You can't, it's all about this why. And I'm going to find exactly what he said because it was super, it was super interesting. The fact that that's what he was saying. And this is a really successful dude. He knows a lot of stuff and he's saying you need to be selfish, you, right? Like you can't say no to that thing if you can't do it. Or don't want to. Or if you don't want to, right? And, and that's a, that's a big thing. This makes me think of some, I had a friend share with me one time we're talking about uh i think you said like or like compassion fatigue or something like that i don't know what the word was you used but when you're showing up for other people and like you just you don't have you know <laughs> the juice left to do it but she explained it in a really great way which i'm sure you've heard it's like if you're an ambulance think of yourself as an ambulance so you're let's say i'm helping you through something right and i'm the ambulance taking you to where you need to go and i'm helping you along the way but if me, the ambulance doesn't have any gas, the thing's not going to go, right? Like it's completely useless. So, and by that, I mean, you know, obviously if I'm not feeding myself or taking care of myself, I can't help you get to where you need to go, right? And that starts with being selfish. 
It, it does. And may, okay, back to the word language. Maybe we need different language and we don't like the word selfish. Call it something else that I need to look after myself and, and make sure I'm, I'm, I'm solid, capable, healthy, strong, all these things that I want to be. Because guess what? Then I can. Because we're at risk of rock star going resentment. I made this up a while ago. Hope you like it. So rock star is all the things you're really good at, but if you're doing it too much and it's absent of taking care of yourself, you're actually going to breed resentment. You're going to start hating the very thing you're good at. Think about a counselor. <laughs> this has never happened to me, by the way, because I work really hard at taking care of myself. The client's walking up to the front door and you're like, oh God, there he is again, him and his problems. <laughs> you're starting to resent the very thing you loved, the very thing you were good at, probably because... You're not taking care of yourself. It's not usually because it's not your jam anymore. It might still be your jam. But if you're not taking care of yourself, you don't have the gas, as you said. And so everything you were rock star at, you actually start to resent, oh, that stuff again. And you can't really show up then. You're not having fun anymore. I love the McConaughey stuff. Have you read Green Lights? I haven't read it yet, but I want to. Yeah, there's have some you, podcast you... stuff if you like to listen. But I am reading his book. I'm about two-thirds of the way through, and then uh, what he calls his green lights, and he'll pause every now and then and say, that stuff I just told you, that's a green light. It's neat how he I, I got I, I hope there's an audio book, because I think I'll just listen to the audio book, because I love listening to him talk. I just want to hear him go, green lights. He's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty good. I love him. That's <laughs> hilarious okay with his voice yeah uh, that's wonderful <laughs> um we're getting to the end here before we wrap up i want to give you this kind of this opportunity on this platform people listening anything that you want to share that, that you think just you're feeling right now in this moment that you just want to get out there and have people go all right oh my goodness the pressure the no pressure at all <laughs> I feel like there's so many messages that are important and that have meant a lot to me and would mean a lot to others. And everyone listening, you need to know that he did not tell me he was going to do this to me. So I am actually on the spot right now. Um, have meaningful conversation. And it isn't just because I love it. It's because I know, because I do it every single day, several times with individuals, with groups, in business, with couples, with kids and meaningful conversation allows us to get real about what's going on, to accept it to whatever degree possible, because it is where it's at right now, and then do something with it. And we're usually in meaningful conversation because we're prepared to. And in business, at home, uh, with ourselves, as you suggested with the vulnerability thing and with others, go have those meaningful conversations. And if you need it facilitated because you don't know where to start, go get it facilitated and invite somebody that's fit to have that conversation with you or with your team. Because when we reflect, that is the most powerful catalyst for change. I really believe that. We, we can't do anything with our stuff, personally or professionally, unless we're prepared to look at where it's at right now. And if we're mindful, present, and real about what's going down, now we can do something with it. And that's incredible. And there's so much possibility. But we have to be prepared to, to look at it. Yeah. But that's an incredible way to end it because Good. I just want to encourage everybody listening. <laughs> that's the whole point of the, it's in the intro, deep, meaningful conversations. That's the whole point of this. And it's not just to share our conversation for other people, but to encourage listeners to go do that in your own life and take things and new perspectives or whatever. And that's, that's how you're going to learn and grow. 
Hey everybody, thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope you got a lot out of it. I mean, we covered so many different topics, so many great things. We talked a lot about balance and the use of language and that kind of stuff. And I think those things are really, really, really important for us to remember. And I hope you can take something away from this episode and go have a meaningful conversation in your own life, because that's what this is all about. You can find Jen uh, at her website, which is jmjcoaching.ca. She's on Instagram at jmjcoaching and uh, Facebook. Same deal, JMJ Coaching. Feel free to reach out to her. She will um, graciously reply and see if she can help you out. And I hope you could work with her or just check out the things she has to say because it's, it's so many great things. So again, thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of the day, rest of the week, rest of your life. <laughs> Keep loving life and we'll chat with you. For more information about this episode or the show itself, head on over to HarrisonKingOfficial.com. There you'll be able to find the show notes, transcriptions, and videos for every episode. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Let's Talk About Life Pod. Now get out there and have a deep, meaningful conversation in your own life. We'll chat with you next time.